Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. Whether it's with someone close to you or someone you just met, sharing your faith can be difficult, but our God knows the challenge and His Word contains wisdom for how to meet that challenge. In our current series, Living an Intentional Life, we're learning about the five eyes of evangelism. Identify, invest, intercede, inform, and invite. These five steps will help you to build a biblical strategy for bringing the gospel to others and watching for God to multiply your efforts. We're glad you're listening and we hope this series will renew your commitment to spread the good news. Now let's listen in. Hills Church family, it's so good to be together today and just want to say a big welcome to everybody and welcome to all of our campuses. So our Nolensville campus, our Nashville campus, Columbia campus, our online campus, our Franklin campus, we're all joining in together today because we are launching a brand new series. And I'm so excited about this series. You know, we're going to be launching this series called Living an Intentional Life. And we've just come off an incredible series called Fresh Fruit, where we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Talk about how do we live out our faith. And man, if you missed any in that series, I just encourage you, hey, go back and you can listen. You can watch, you know, as you run, as you work out, you know, if you're on a treadmill or whatever, you know, great opportunity for us to grow deeper in our faith and for us to live out the Spirit of God in us. But now we're talking about how do we live it and we interaction with people? How do we live this intentional life that God has for us? Right, because if you look at Jesus, Jesus lived intentional, right? He, he didn't come and just stay on the earth in the silo. He came and he lived out among all the people. He lived that life and for the glory of God. And it's the same with us. God didn't call us to live in a convent. Now, some people maybe, right? You go for a spiritual retreat or you go for a time, but God's put us in the homes we're in. God's put us in the families we're in. God's put us in the workplace we're in for a reason and for a purpose. And that is for us to live this intentional life. Now, the challenge is we get caught up in everything going on in the world, right? We get caught up in everything that's happening in the world. And what can happen to our lives is we just become busy. And somebody comes up to us and they go, well, how are you doing? And we go, well, I'm busy, right? Like it's a badge of honor. Like, you know, I'm really busy. And then we have to stop and we go, well, am I busy doing the things of God? Or am I just busy, right? Am I just busy doing activity? And there's a difference between activity and accomplishment. And we can be really busy doing a lot of things, but what can happen in our lives is we wake up a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, and we go, how did I get here? I wanted to be over here, man. I wanted to be living a life for God. I wanted to have a godly family. I wanted to make a difference in my community. I wanted to make a difference in the world for the glory of God. And somehow I got wrapped up in all this and I ended up over here. And so God calls to all of us in these different times, these different resets and says, hey, live an intentional life. Live an intentional life. All right, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. So if you've got a worship guide with you, if you're online, if you've got the Rolling Hills app. In fact, if you don't have the Rolling Hills app, I just encourage you, download the Rolling Hills app. You can pull out your phone right now. It's okay, you know. <laughs> Go ahead and just get the app because there's places to sign up for Bible studies and the activities and mission trips and all kinds of ways also a place to take notes. But here's some things I want us to see. I want us to see this, that there is a difference between the temporary and the eternal. There's a difference between the temporary and the eternal. And so much of our life is based around the temporary. And the temporary is fine, right? But it shouldn't consume all of our life because there is a difference, right? Food is temporary. We spend a lot of time on food, right? Maybe you ate breakfast this morning and you're already hungry again. You're already thinking about, where am I going to go to lunch? Because I'm going to be hungry, right? But it's, it's temporary because we get hungry again. In fact, if I had a hot, 
Krispy Kreme donut right now, it would be about three seconds temporary, okay? I'm just like, it would be gone like that. I mean, it's so good, right? It's, food's temporary. Clothes, they're, they're temporary, right? What's in style today is not in style tomorrow. You know, whitewashed jeans are coming back, right? Or who knows, right? Tight rolls. I mean, you know, everything changes. Sports is temporary. What lasted 15 years ends, right? You know, so way to go. <laughs> Big victory for the balls, you know? And some of you are here today because you made a promise to God. If you made the field goal, you were going to church. You're like, it's so good job. Way to keep it up. You know, you're here. But it's temporary, right? It's temporary. Things in our lives are temporary, right? Our house, we love our house. And we spend so much time remodeling our house, but, it, but it's temporary. I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, one day it'll be, you know, a condominium or a business or something. You know, our cars are temporary. And we spend so much time on it and we, we want that. But one day there'll be driverless cars, things change in this world. And so are we just investing in the temporary or are we investing in the eternal? You know, there are things that are here today and gone tomorrow. And then there's things that last for eternity. And that's a long time, right? Okay. There's three things that are eternal. Three things. God, God is eternal. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. So you being in church, you're investing in the eternal. Great job, you know. You pray, you're building that relationship with God because you're going to spend eternity with God, right? You want to know him. You want to grow in him. You want to worship him. God's word is eternal. God's word is eternal. You know, the grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And so when you're in a Bible study, when you're a community group, when you're a men's study, a women's study, when you're reading on your own, you're taking that daily step, you're, you're growing in God's word and you're growing in character. And also this, People. People are eternal. People last, right? People go on. Now our body wears out, our body fades, but our spirit goes on for eternity. And so are we investing our lives in these things? Or are we just caught up in the temporary, right? Are we investing our lives in things that will last? And we have the temporary and that's around us all the time, but don't miss this. Now, as we talk about this in this series, there's really five eyes to living an intentional life. There's five eyes right there, okay? So we're gonna talk about today, identify. And the next week, invest, intercede, inform, and invite. How do we start to live this kind of life? How do we start to invest and identify the things that are temporary and the things that are eternal? And then to point our lives into investing in things that are eternal. Identify, that's what we're gonna talk about today. So if you have a Bible with you, I just wanna invite you up with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, first book, New Testament. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. Maybe you've got a mobile device. You can access the scriptures there. We'll put the scripture on the screens so you'll be able to see it. But Matthew is the Gospel talking all about Jesus, right? And Jesus came. He lived 33 sinless years, right? Never sinned. Died on a cross to pay the price for your sins and for my sins. Praise God, right? And so when you become a Christ follower, when you place your faith and trust in him, it's called imputed righteousness. He imputes the righteousness. And so when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin because he sees forgiveness. He sees righteousness. And so you're forgiven. Jesus takes our price and pays our price for us. He takes our place. Then Jesus died on the cross, but death couldn't hold him down. Jesus conquered death and was resurrected. Praise be to God. And so then after his resurrection, he appears to over 500 people, right? And he's there. And then he brings his disciples together and he gives them this very last word. So we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, the last words of Jesus on this earth. 
Now think about this. If you were sharing with your family, man, you knew these are my last words, right? It'd be pretty important, right? I mean, you, what you would say would be like, I want you guys to get this. You know, I want my friends to get this. I want them to understand. So these are important words. And Jesus says this, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So he takes his disciples, he goes, guys, I want you to get this. I want you to live this. In the middle of all the distractions in the world, in the middle of all the noise in the world, and all the things that are fun and great and exciting, but don't miss being intentional. And I want you to see this great commission that Jesus came to give each one of us. Now notice some things about this. One, Jesus has all authority. All authority, right? And when he said that, I bet those disciples were like, yeah, you do, okay? Because we just saw you conquer death. Nobody's ever conquered death before. You conquer death, right? You have all authority. You have authority over life and over death. You have authority over this entire world. And so with all this authority, Jesus says to his disciples, gives them this great commission. Now notice it's not the great suggestion. <laughs> so we kind of think sometimes, right? We go, oh, okay, maybe if I get around to it, right? I'll, I'll talk about spiritual things or maybe I'll get around to it. It, it kind of becomes last on our list. And Jesus is going, no, this is important. This is how I'm calling you to live. Now notice this great commission is given to Jesus' disciples, right? So if you're a follower of Christ, you're a disciple of Christ, this is for you. It wasn't just given to the crowd. It wasn't given to people just out there. It was given to his disciples. So if you're a disciple, this is for you. This is for me. And he says this, go. Now go is a present participle. It means while you're going, you know? See, when you become a Christ follower, he doesn't automatically say, okay, you become a missionary to Uganda, you know, or Afghanistan. Now, some people he calls to go to Uganda or to Afghanistan, you know, and, and we need missionaries around the world. But what he says to you and me is this, live your life on mission. Live your life intentionally. Look around where I've put you. I want you to make a difference right there. So go while you're going, while you're living your life. What does he say do? Make disciples, right? Share the good news. Talk about me, right? He says, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? He talks about this, having these spiritual conversations, you know, being with somebody at their baptism, celebrating as they take that next step in their spiritual walk and they're dying in their old life and they're being raised to walk a new life. You be there. He says, make disciples of all nations. And for us, man, we get to go on mission trips. That's important, you know, at some point in your life, you know, do that. I had a buddy call this week, lives in a different state. He watches online and, and he said, you know, Jeff, hey, I, I, want, I want to go on a mission trip. He said, I'm in my 50s. I've never been on an international mission trip. Can I go with you guys? I'm like, yeah, come on, man. So like if, over March, he's going on a spring break trip to the Amazon. He's so excited. It's like, yes, there's this time, this opportunity we have. And he says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Hey, serve, teach. And a lot of times we go, I can't teach. I don't know enough about the Bible, right? I, you know, listen, these guys that Jesus was talking to, these disciples, they've been with Jesus three years. Three years. Some of you have been a Christian for like 20 years or 25 years. You accepted Christ when you were eight. You know, you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s. He's like, 
this is your time. And so whether it's teaching preschool or children or students, or whether it's leading a community group or a men's study or a women's study, hey, go, go, make a difference right where you are. And then he has this incredible promise at the end. He says, and surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And and I want you to notice that that is in context of us living this intentional life, (laughs) right? We know God's with me. Yes, God is always with us, but God wants us to be intentional. God wants us to be intentional. So here's the thing. As Jesus' disciples today, our call is to be intentional. And man, life gets busy. I get it. Life gets crazy. The demands on our time are unbelievable. And especially if you have kids, you feel like an Uber driver all the time, you know, and you're you're just trying to survive and keep up. But man, if we can start to come in and say, how do I focus the time, the energy, the resources, the opportunity God's given me and make it intentional so I don't miss what God has for me and for those around me. Jesus tells this story. It's recorded in Luke, Luke chapter 16. If you want to turn over there, Luke chapter 16. And in verse 19, he tells this story and it's a pretty powerful story here. Jesus says, well, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and he lived in luxury every day. All right. So this guy's wealthy, man. I mean, he's got the nicest clothes. He's dressed in purple. He lives in luxury every day. And at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. So you got this rich guy living in this nice house, got this gate, there's this beggar out there. The rich guy never goes and helps the beggar, never goes and gives him any food. And the beggar's just longing to eat even the crumbs that fell from his table. Well, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. So the beggar obviously had faith in God and trusted God, right? And so he dies, he goes to heaven. He's there, Abraham, right? So in heaven, Abraham's side. Well, the rich man also died and was buried in Hades, hell, right? Where he was in torment and he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. So this rich guy had no time for God, no relationship with God, right? And he finds himself in eternity in hell or in Hades. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. So Jesus is teaching about eternity right here. He's teaching about heaven and hell. He's saying, hey, listen, this is real, right? This is real. And a lot of times we're like, ah, no, no, it's, it's real. And here it is. There's this separation. Well, the rich guy answered. He said, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Okay, that's pretty powerful to me, right? Now all of a sudden this rich guy's there in Hades and all of a sudden he starts thinking about his brothers. He starts thinking about the people that he loves. He goes, whoa, 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 whoa. What about my brothers? Oh, I want them to know. I want them to know that there's a God. I want them not to come to this place. And Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Now, here's the thing to think about. 
They had Moses and the prophets back then. Now because of Jesus rising from the dead and the hope that we have in Christ, the Holy Spirit in us, we're the ones now that get to share the good news. We're the ones that get the opportunity to talk to people about Jesus. This is our time. This is our opportunity. And so here's the question. Why don't we engage in spiritual conversations with others? You know, a lot of times, right, when we comes to the time, we're like, ah, oh, spiritual conversation. We're like, ah, oh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to say. There's a saying, right? You know, you don't talk about religion or politics. But we talk about politics all the time. I mean, we do, we do. And it's important. But again, it's temporary, right? Every four years. I mean, everything's going to change or two years. And you, you see that. But, but Jesus lasts for eternity. And actually, people want to know. People want to hear. Yeah, this week, um, somebody came by the office and they were like, listen, my, my father, he's not a believer. He's not a Christian and he's, a, he's about to die. It, it, can anybody help me? Because I don't know what to tell him. I want to say something to him. And it was like that moment, all of a sudden you realize, you go, whoa, wait a minute. What is really going to last? So why don't we engage in spiritual conversations? Well, I think a couple of things. One, we're simply unintentional, right? We're busy. We got a lot of things going on. And so when our kids go, hey, mom or dad, I, I want to talk about baptism. We're like, well, it's bedtime. You know, can we talk tomorrow? Right? I mean, we got to get baths. We got to get bed, you know. And, or, or when they say, hey, I want to be at church. We're like, ah, we got homework to do. We got things to get done. We immediately flip to the temporary. Right? When somebody at work goes, man, I'm going through a tough time. Like, hey, I'm sorry. You know, and we got that moment right there where we could step into it. But we go, oh, I got this you know, I got this work project that's got to get done and, and we'll come back to it. But do we ever come back to it? Do we ever get back? Sometimes we're simply unintentional. The old saying, if the devil can't make you bad, then he will make you busy, busy. And we're all type A's here, man. We all want to accomplish everything we can, right? And, and that's fine. It's okay. But we have to stop sometimes and go, am I really living for the things of God? Here's the second thing that keeps us from spiritual conversations. We don't know what to say. Sometimes we get to that point and, and we just don't know what to say. We, we get a text from somebody and they go, hey, hey what, what, do you, what church do you go to? And you're like, oh, I go to Rolling Hills. What do you believe about God? Mm. Hey, how can I become a Christian? Uh, and you have this moment where you, you think, you know, and you're like, okay, do I step into this or, or do I not? Right? Do, do I press in? Because, man, they want to know, right? And where else are they going to find out? So they're asking, what do I Say, what do I say? I hope and pray that this series, this series will help us. You know, at your job, you go to continuing education, right? You know, to stay up to date on things and, and how it works in today's world. And, and I hope and pray this series will kind of help us feel comfortable. Hey, help us to know. Here's some things we can say. Here's the third thing that keeps us from spiritual conversations. We have a fear of rejection. Do you ever do that, right? You, you go, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I make them mad? Hey, that's a lie from Satan himself, okay? And then Satan comes along, he goes, oh, you're gonna mess this up, right? You don't know, right? And so we go, okay, I don't wanna damage relationship, but I wanna say the wrong thing. We don't. But we have this fear of rejection, so sometimes we don't step into it. But here's the thing, we don't have to worry about messing up. We just worry about being obedient. <laughs> and when the Holy Spirit prompts us, we step out and we go, you know what, here you go. I don't I mean, I have all the answers, but listen, I can... Though you're searching, there's something going on in your heart, in your life, and, and maybe you're far from God. And I just want to tell you, I just want to share with you. A, a few years ago, there was a, a guy, 
in Las Vegas, and there's an act, uh, act there in Las Vegas called Penn and Teller, right? I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but Penn and Teller, they're doing their act, they're doing a show, and then a guy comes up at the end, and Penn records this about what happened, and so I kind of want you to watch this right now. Look at this. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me. And then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh... How much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? But this guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me. I know there's no God. And one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man... That was a good man who gave me that book. Isn't that powerful? That was a good man. He looked me in the eye and he shared, but he, you could tell, I mean, all of a sudden the impact on this guy, the impact of, he, he, he gave me a Bible and he, he wrote in the front and he, he cared enough about me 
And I think the line that got me was, he, he, here he is, this guy, you know, Penn, and he's an atheist, right? But he says, how much do you have to hate people to not tell them about heaven and hell? I don't know what's going to happen in, in Penn's life. I don't know what's going to happen with him. But there will come a time and a moment where all of a sudden he's confronted with his own mortality. And he's going to have to make a decision about, what do I believe about God? What do I believe about Jesus? And, and maybe God just planted that guy right there to be obedient, to give him the Bible, because at some point he's going to start to look and to search. And here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. You, you, you can't mess up. You know, you can't mess up. You know, when you want to talk to your kids about faith, when you want to talk to your friend about faith, but God puts somebody in your heart and you think, oh, no, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to say the wrong thing. No, 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 no. People are going to respect you because they're like, man, they cares about me. Somebody cared enough to say something about it. And, and so I think this is so important for us to know it's Christ's fault because we live in this world where we think, oh, no, we got to be on the defensive. And there's a world out there that wants to know. There's a world out there that goes, man, things are falling apart all around me. Is there any hope? And God goes, oh, yeah. And I'm sending my disciples to tell you. <laughs> See, this is the call, right? The first eye in living an intentional life is to identify. Just to look around and go, God, who have you put around me? Who have you put around me? And God, don't let me get so caught up in the temporary. God, I, you know, there's a lot of things going on. I got a lot of demands on my time. But, but God, let my eyes be open to see the people around me, to see the needs around me. So here's the question. Who has God put around you? When you start to think about, man, if you're a parent or you're a grandparent, man, that's, that's your call right there, right? If you have a roommate, if you have friends, if you have classmates or schoolmates or your work colleagues or the people in your neighborhood and you start to think about all the people that you interact with all the time and you go, wait a minute, am I being intentional? Am I showing them God's love? Am I offering grace? Am I praying? Am I encouraging to the people around me? We're going to have in this series just some different tactiles to help us kind of remember and think. And so I want to just encourage you, if you have a worship guide, there's, a, there's just a little card on there. If you're online, you can go there. But, but just to encourage you, over these next five weeks, would you write down five people? Five people that you just kind of identify around you that you go, you know what? I, I believe I need to have a spiritual conversation. I need to encourage them. I need to talk to them about Jesus. Or, or maybe I need to pray for them. I need to walk with them. Or maybe they're going through a struggle but God, just put some people on my heart. Put some people on my heart. And God, let me live this out. Let me live this out. And you can write down these five names and then stick it in your Bible. And, and when you have the opportunity, be praying for them, encouraging them. You know, we did this with our staff about a year and a half ago. And I wrote down five names. And, and one of those was my nephew, you know. And, and my nephew. And we've been praying for him, encouraging him. We give him a Bible at Christmas. And and just waiting and waiting. And man, just about a year ago, he gave his life to Christ and his baptism was so awesome. And, and I'm this guy is on fire for the Lord. He's so excited. He's like, I wish I would have known this earlier. Here I am in my mid-20s and I'm so on fire for the Lord. And, and there's another guy, you know, and I mean, he's accepting Christ. And I'm just thinking, this is awesome. We get to share the good news. We get to have that opportunity to point them to Jesus and the hope that we have. And so I just encourage you, you know, start to think about that. And maybe it is your kids. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a roommate. Maybe it's somebody that God just puts on your heart. You go, okay, God, I'm going to be open. If there's a spiritual conversation, God, or if I need to give them a Bible, if I need to invite them to church, whatever it is, God, use me. God, use me. Look at this. The Apostle Paul, he writes this. You talk about living an intentional life. I mean, when Paul gave his life to Christ, he was like, man, on a mission. Yeah, he was fired up. And he was doing all these things. But he says, he, Jesus is the one we proclaim. And if you were to look at our lives and say, what do we proclaim? 
What am I proclaiming with my life? Well, hopefully it's Jesus, right? Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Now, it's not our wisdom, right? It's the wisdom of Christ in us that's so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And if you're a parent, this is the goal, right? You present your kids fully mature in Christ or your grandkids, your great grandkids, you're leaving a legacy. Now, they're not gonna be perfect. You're not gonna be perfect, but man, that we're pointing them to Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend. Isn't that amazing? Paul's like, I'm in this thing, man. I'm in it, right? Strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And I think for me, man, do I strenuously contend after the things of this world or am I strenuously continuing and contending for the things of God? Am I passionate about the things that God's passionate about in my life? And for all of us, man, I just hope and pray it's a kind of a reset and we start to think, am I living this intentional life? You know, in the book of 2 Kings in the Old Testament, there's a story that happened in chapter 7. So Samaria, which was the capital of the northern kingdoms, okay, you had the 10 northern kingdoms of Israel, and the northern kingdoms, the capital was Samaria, and Samaria was under siege. So Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, had besieged all of Samaria. And so when you siege, right, they kind of lock everybody in, and so they're in the walls, and they're inside, and you got the army around the outside, so nobody's getting in or out, no food is coming in or out, and so everybody inside, after a while, starts to starve to death until they surrender, right? That's kind of siege and what they were doing. And so here you've got the Aramean army that's camped out here. You've got this famine that's happening inside the walls. I mean, people are literally dying of starvation. And finally the king says, hey, we need to call out to God. Where's that prophet Elisha, right? And so Elisha, call out to God, call out to God for help, for deliverance. And so Elisha prays and Elisha says, you will see the hand of the Lord deliver. You'll see the hand of the Lord deliver by tomorrow. And I mean, people are desperate. People are desperate. Well, there's these four guys that are outside the city gates and they realize, man, we're starving to death. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go over to the Arameans. And early in the morning, they get up to go to the Arameans. And when they get there, nobody's there. What had happened the night before is that God caused this this storm to happen. and, And the people thought, oh man, the Arameans thought, oh man, the Israelites, they just hired the Egyptian army or the Hittite army and they're coming to take us. And so the whole army flees. And they do it at dusk, so a whole night, nobody's been there. And all the people are locked in the walls, they don't even see it. Well, these guys go over there, and they get there, and they're like, what? Nobody's here. And so they go into these tents, they start eating all this food. They're like, this is unbelievable. They grab gold and silver and clothes, and they go and they dig a hole, and they bury it all. And then they come back, and they're eating, and they're eating, and they're just like, oh, this is incredible. They get more gold and more food and all this, and there. And then they finally stop. <laughs> in kind of the middle of the day. And it says this, they looked at each other and they said, what we're doing is not right. (laughs) This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and they called out to the city gatekeepers and they told them, we went to the Aramean camp and no one was there, not a sound of anyone only tethered horses and donkeys and the tents left just as they were. And the gatekeeper shouted the news and it was reported within the palace. And all the people began to stream out and go over and have this feast. Can you imagine? Can you imagine those four guys getting there? It's like, oh, this is for me, unbelievable. And then they go, oh, what we're doing is not right. There's a lot of other people. 
There's our brothers, our sisters, our family, our friends. There's people who need to know this and they'll come. And can you imagine as they watch as the gates open and all these people come streaming out and all of them are having this feast and this festival and this celebration. Guys, look at what God's done in our lives. We are so blessed. We are so blessed. Jesus died on a cross. He paid the price for our sins. He's given us joy and peace and hope and purpose. We are so blessed. I love coming to church. I love worshiping. I love being in God's presence. And God's saying, hey, let other people know. Just share. Let other people know about my grace and my mercy and my love. And share the good news. You live intentionally. You point others to me. You live a life worthy of my name. You make a difference in this day, in this generation. And what about this? What if we're the generation that we see revival break out? What if we are the generation that the gates are open and our nation turns back to the Lord? What if we're the generation that we raise up the next generation to love the Lord and to make a difference and we see peace coming to this world and God's plan and God's purpose fulfilled? What if we are that generation? As his disciples today, we have this incredible opportunity. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. God is here. He's with you and he's for you. And he says, share my love. And by grace, be intentional. I want to ask you to bow your eyes, bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are. Maybe today in your own heart and life, you go, you know what? I need salvation. <laughs> I'm desperate. Times are hard. They're difficult. Oh, God, please come. Please come. And you know what? When you call out the Lord, the Lord will meet you right here whatever struggle you're facing today, there is a God who is greater. There is a God who is stronger. Maybe today you just go, you know what? I've, got, I've gotten so caught up in the temporary. <laughs> and God, today, remind me of the eternal. Remind me of the things that are gonna last. Maybe God's already putting somebody on your heart and your mind. <laughs> and just saying right now, would you pray for them? And saying, God, if you wanna use me, maybe you use somebody else. That's fine. That's whoever, but, but, but God... Here I am. Here I am. Send me. <laughs> so, Father God, here we are, your people. And God, you've done so much in our lives. God, you've blessed us with grace and with mercy and with love. And not only that, God, you've lavished on us resources and abilities. And we live in the seventh wealthiest county in the United States of America. God, we are so blessed. And I pray that, God, we would know that we've been blessed to be a blessing. <laughs> that we would be intentional, that we would love like you love, that we would care for people, people all around us, God, who need help and hope, and, and we would share, not live afraid, not live worried, not live stressed, just live intentional, making a difference with our family, our friends, and around the world. So God, here we are, your disciples. Jesus, you took 11 disciples and changed the world. What could you do through all of us? What could you do through all of us here at Rolling Hills today, living at this time? So Father, we commit our lives to you, anew and afresh, to worship, to invest in you, your word, and in people, to be intentional. And it's in the beautiful name of Jesus that we pray and we respond right now. Amen, amen, amen. That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button 
so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app or follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful you spent some time with us today. See you next time.